Folks, help me welcome to the show for the first time, Freedom Works, John Tamney, the director of our uh, Center for Economic Freedom. John, welcome to the C.L. Bryant Show. Hey, C.L., thanks for having me on. And really, what's going on that you've never had John Tamney on the show before? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, John, but I tell you what, brother, we have just you remedied. You must not love liberty. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are going to remedy that. We have remedied that uh, this day. We certainly have. John, you know I admire your work. I admire you, and folks, I'm not ashamed to tell you that. And I want to let you know that uh, your work has been totally inspiring to me and believe me i've stole a lot of phrases from your from your work uh there and i i, I spout them everywhere i go but there's one thing that you uh talk about uh in uh your book uh as far as uh the politicians panicking uh and tell us about how we got to where we are with this COVID fiasco that we have been facing talk to us john tamney well, we got to where we are because just as politicians exist to spend, they exist to do things. Uh, who needed politicians to do things when a virus was spreading? I don't know about you, but I don't need to be forced to avoid what might make me sick or in rare instances put me in the hospital or in rare instances kill me. And so the idea that I needed to be forced, the idea that I need to lose my job or have my business destroyed so that we could fight a virus – brings new meaning to non sequitur. Historians will marvel that they chose economic desperation as their solution to a virus. How about just letting people use their own common sense? Wow. Wow. Economic desperation is uh, was something that they used to combat this. They threw us into a state of economic desperation. John, expand upon that. Well, think about what they did. The most dynamic, prosperous economy in the world. All of a sudden, within a matter of weeks, 25% of it was in deep freeze. Imagine that. A virus is spreading, so let's destroy tens of millions of jobs. Let's destroy or impair millions of businesses. Whoever came up with that, let's never forget that economic growth has always by far been the greatest enemy that death and disease have ever known, whereas poverty has been the biggest killer mankind has ever known. The political class in the U.S. and around the world collectively chose poverty this time around to fight a virus by saying that your work doesn't matter anymore. Your business is no longer essential. You stay home. We will lock you down. If you open up your business that you spent your life building, we will cut off electricity to you. That's what politicians do. That's what they do when they are not blocked. This is the damage they cause in such short order. Let's please never forget this. And, John, is that the panic, then, that you are referring to in the title of your book? Yes, it's panic. It's this vanity that somehow our lives are, 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 are reliant on what politicians do. And so if we die, it's somehow their fault. Sorry, my life, I don't think about my life and living in terms of what politicians can do for me. I didn't need them to maybe wash my hands more or maybe stay home if I felt fearful of the virus. Yet they are so full of themselves that they panic that any death would be on them as though they are our guardians. When wow. are people going to wake up to the arrogance of people who would presume that? Wow. 
Folks, are you hearing this? I certainly hope you are. That's exactly why I cannot believe I have not had John Tamney on this show. John, the passion is oozing over the airwaves throughout the, the country and around the globe of what you are saying. Then, I'm sure in the minds of so many, then, is there some type of uh, oligarchy uh, who is uh, instituting these things and why are we yielding to their directives. Talk to us, John Tammy. Well, I think to some degree we're yielding to them because we can. I think some people love to be told what to, what, told what to do. I don't want to be told what to do. I think the more threatening something is, the greater the call for freedom is. But some people want it, and let's never forget that in this day and time, because we're such a rich country, and I think that's a beautiful thing, People could be locked down, and it wasn't a big deal, you know? If your job can be done from anywhere, and that's what politicians, that's all they know, oh, why not just lock people down? Can't everyone do their work from home? Can't everyone get on a computer and be fully dialed into the office? And so true for lots of Americans, but if you had the temerity to have a job that was a destination, if you had the temerity to have a job that involved you being around and helping people, Forget about it. You were no longer essential. They are going to take it away from you. But it speaks to the arrogance of the political class. Oh, isn't everyone like us? It was Marie Antoinette all over again. It was rich man's coronavirus. And I say this as someone who loves rich people, who gives speeches extolling the virtues of extraordinary inequality. You do. I throw – it's the politicians, though – who made unequal, who were given better living standards, who perceived that everyone lived like them. And let's take away the right of people to work to make sure that they don't die. If, if they don't do what we say, they will die. And so let's do, let's take, let's, let's make sure they don't die on our watch. Wow. The arrogance of that. You know, John, uh, getting back to uh, the, the conversation that I have had you, I've heard you have with uh, numerous audiences now over the, the last few years uh, that we've known each other. Uh, you often do extol the virtues of those who create jobs. And it seems now that there is an all-out attack on that class that does create jobs. What happens when we cause those who create jobs to actually have a greater time doing what they do best? And that's taking risk in creating those jobs. John Tamney, talk to us. What happens is that our living standards soar. Let's never forget, soaring wealth inequality is a sign of rapidly shrinking lifestyle inequality. Why do people get rich in a free country like this? They get rich by mass-producing former luxuries. I'll never forget being in Southern California in 1989, seeing a man with a brick-sized phone talking away on the phone. I walked up close to get a look at this. Who must this movie producer rich person be? And now it doesn't matter the neighborhood you go into this country. We all have supercomputers in our pockets, not brick-sized phones, supercomputers in our pockets. See, the first mainframe computer IBM manufactured in the 1960s cost you over a million dollars to own what filled a room. And so entrepreneurs became billionaires by putting exponentially more powerful computers in our pockets. We can, in many ways, live our lives on these things in our pockets. That's what they do for us. They get rich by improving our lives. There is a company in Silicon Valley today called Grail that has figured out a way to very 
expertly detect cancer years ahead of time to kill it before it kills you. And this is so important because that's the final chapter of my book. Again, wealth creation is what saves lives. And so this company founded by billionaires Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos will detect cancer well ahead of time and kill it so we can elongate our lives. When we had a chance, though, with the virus spreading, politicians said it's very lethal, so let's destroy wealth as a way of fighting it. Again, historians will marvel at the abject stupidity of the political class. Wow. You know, John, uh, we were together. I, I heard you speak. Oh, my God. I can't remember where we were in Nashville or somewhere like that a couple of weeks ago. And uh, you were saying to us uh, that when we um, uh, take away the wealth, the, the, uh, the, 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 the risk takers in our country, then we take away then the middle class jobs. You talked about Rockefeller. You talked about how they took the risk, put everything they had into lighting up uh, the world or, or coal or what have Talk to us about that, John. Tell us about these moguls who became wealthy and drove the engine well, of America. Imagine that for a second. Imagine, listeners, as you're walking around your house, you turn on lights as you walk. Can you believe the luxurious life you lead? Do you know how lucky you are? See, before Rockefeller, when night fell, it went dark. There was nothing to do. Rockefeller got rich by quite literally lighting up the night for the common man by mass-producing kerosene. And then he produced, mass-produced, refined the gasoline that pushed people around in cars that used to be rarer than millionaires. Rockefeller became the richest man in the world by rapidly, totally transforming our living standards. And what did he do? Just in his lifetime alone, he gave away $530 million back when that was a lot of money. $450 million of it went to medical science. See, Rockefeller was coming up for the, to the, to the answers to all that used to kill us. It used to be that no one died of cancer in the United States, not because we were healthier, but because tuberculosis and pneumonia and yellow fever got us first. Rockefeller's wealth pushed, was natural doctors on the way to advances that elongated life. And again, never forget that when people create wealth, it enables them to fund the future, to rush the future into the present where we no longer worry about what used to kill us with great ease. And again, given the chance, politicians, rather than embrace the wealth creation, embrace freedom and free markets, impose command and control, destroyed businesses and jobs as a way to fight a virus. Never forget the damage they did. John, I want you to talk to us about the end of work, uh, your, your, your book before uh, this one. Um, many Americans uh, uh, hear that phrase and they think it's some bygone or, or some futuristic type of uh, ideal. But it, tell us how real and how soon our young people who are around right now, tell us about uh, your prognostication of how their life will be. My prognostication is that I hope I live another 100 years so that I can see how several generations of young people will, do, will work for a living. I put work in quotes. They're going to fall in love with work. Think about people born 150 years ago. They pretty much had no choice in the rich United States. They're most likely going to become a farmer. It didn't matter if you loved farming or hated it. That's what you were going to become. 
In a, in a world like that, I would have been miserable. I would have been an object of pity. People would have laughed at me, lazy, stupid. But what changed or what freed me from a life of doing something I couldn't stand? Robots. It was fertilizer and tractors that made it possible for people to produce exponentially more food with fewer hands. This didn't put us out of work, didn't put us into bread lines. It freed us to pursue work that was more aligned with our talents. And so because of even more automation, because of robots, the robots that we're told to hate, you know, robots are going to cause Americans to fall in love with work. These robots will remove all this despicable about it so we can focus in the narrow areas where we do best. It will be you and me magnified. You know how you and I are in love with what we do? Yeah. We're in love with what we do because robots saved us from work that we used to have to do just to get by. It used to be that we all had to work just to create food. No. We are a creation of technology, and this technology is more and more going to free people so that there's hundreds of millions of passionate C.L. and John Tandy types living their lives, doing something they can't get enough of. That's the future if there's freedom. And so when politicians took away economic freedom, they slowed this evolution. See, in poor countries, work is is, is hereditary. It's passed down. In a country like the U.S., we can always aspire to something better because we're constantly erasing the past. Politicians that are infinite wisdom in fighting the virus chose to freeze the present in place. That's not what we Americans do. John, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, how to get a hold of your work uh, here, and, and take, take these next uh, two or three minutes to, to share with us how to get you to where we are. Well, you can find me at, on, at John Candy at Twitter. Um, uh, you can find me, of course, at Freedom Works, where you and I get to lovingly do what we can't get enough of. Are we not incredibly lucky people? We are, John. You can find our books on Amazon. I mean, think about it, CL. Look at what we get to do. Yeah. Can you imagine what your grandparents yeah. would say to you? Wait, they pay you to do this? Wow. Can you believe what we get to do for a living? We get to talk about what we're passionate about and inspire people? Wow. wow. I can't believe how lucky I am. And what's amazing is if the freedom remains, there will be people generations from now when we'll sadly no longer be around saying, think about how limited the opportunities were for people back in 2021. Yet we're marveling at it. And it's only going to get better. That's what freedom does is it frees the geniuses to create new technologies that allow us to more and more specialize so that we can all be smart. I don't believe anyone's stupid. I don't believe anyone's lazy. But I do think economic growth creates a lot of lazy, stupid people. A lack of economic growth creates a lot of lazy, stupid people because they're not free to do what uniquely elevates. You and I get to do what we love. And wow, we're lucky people. Amen. Blessed by Almighty God, the Creator. Of the universe, I thank you so much, God, uh, God for John Tamney, and I thank you for uh, him shedding light on why we are blessed here in this great land of ours. Because John, you and I probably come from incredibly different backgrounds, but you know what the common denominator is: we're Americans who understand what our nation has produced and the opportunities that we have. Thank you for sharing that with us here today. Thank you for being on with me. And, John, believe me, believe me, you will be no stranger to this show. Thank you, man, for being on. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, CL. I love you. 